Hi friends, Logan Clements here with the Better Events Podcast. And in this week's episode, we are talking all about celebrating the Black community in events. This week, we have a special guest, Kanisha Williams, who is the founder of Black and Events Network. And we sit down to talk with her about what the network even is, what are what does she hope for diversity in the event industry as we move forward, to talking about how we as planners can be more inclusive in events. And you know, the most important part, even hiring more Black professionals in events. This is an episode chock full of tangible tips. It's really important if you are someone who works in events because we want to, I feel like our mission is always to create more inclusive spaces. And this episode should hopefully help you start to be on that route to creating more inclusive events and just behind the scenes um, at your next event as well. So enjoy this episode. Welcome to the Better Events Podcast. Join two event strategists, Logan Clements and Mary Davidson, who believe we can all create, host, and attend better events. In this podcast, you will learn about event strategy and actions that you can use today as an event host, planner, or manager. Hear directly from the people who are creating innovative and inspiring events today and tomorrow and grow your business along the way. Now, let's get started. And thanks for listening to the Better Events Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Better Events Podcast. I'm Logan Clements, one of your co-hosts, and I'm joined by fellow co-host Mary Davidson, And this week, we're very enthusiastic. I'm trying to use a different word than excited because excitement is constant. Um, For this week's discussion, we're going to be talking all about celebrating the Black community and events. We have a lovely guest here that we want to save as much time for. So I'm just going to jump right in and I'm going to introduce Kanisha Williams is the founder of the Black in Events Network and has been in events for the past 12 years. She strives to create space, amplification, and pathways to success for marginalized communities. Kanisha has been seen in Forbes and in 2021 was named top 100 most influential people in the events industry and top 10 most influential women in the events industry. Most recently, she has been recognized by Meeting Net Magazine as a 2022 changemaker. Wow. Kanisha, welcome to the podcast. Is there anything you want to add to that lovely introduction? No. (laughs) It's always weird hearing your your bio read back to you. It's it's one of those things but thank you <laughs> and we love to we're just excited to have you and Kanisha we love to do a little like why we asked our guests and I wanted to take this away because um, Kanisha and I have had the pleasure of working together um, in the past and so I remember hearing I like when we were introduced I remember hearing around that time that you were mentioned in Forbes I think and so um, I was like, oh, I got to I got to look up Kanisha. I got to see what she's involved in. I just thought that was really cool. And then I saw that you were and heard more about that you were involved with the Black and Events Network. And so as I was thinking through our podcast today, I'm just really excited to be able to talk to you in this capacity. I feel like we haven't had some of these conversations. And so it's going to be really amazing. And um, I think our listeners are also going to be interested to hear how we can create more inclusive spaces at events. And so as Logan said, we're enthusiastic about the topic today. So thank you again. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And um, so we'll just kind of start with some questions. And we like to start basic. And I would love to start at a place where we are just learning about you and your involvement with the event industry. Mm-hmm. And so tell us about you. What's like, what's your day-to-day like with events? What projects are you working on? Um And then I want to also hear what your favorite event to be involved in is. So I know that was a lot. So wherever you want to take that question. Uh, Sure, I will. You know what? Um, Right now I'm working on a couple conferences. 
like many people, I've been doing a lot of virtual stuff for the past two and a half years. Uh, prior to that, I was really a full-timer in the events industry, working in a corporate uh, space. So, you know, the transition to virtual was not necessarily different, but it was all obviously a bigger change because it became more consistent. Uh, however, you know, during the time of um, jumping into this virtual space and doing events, I know that I'd wanted to continue doing more things and contribute more to the events industry. So, you know, the time that I'm spending now is, uh, you know, spent on helping with Black and events, but also doing some events here and there. I uh, just recently, literally, ladies, this year, only started going back to in-person live events. So the first time on the floor, I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> it was like culture. Yeah. So yeah, it was, it was insane. So it was nice. So yeah, that's um, pretty much what I've been doing uh, lately. We hear you that with uh, making the transition back to in-person. I know it's a, uh, it's like reteaching yourself to ride a bike. I feel like it, it'll come back to you, but definitely <laughs> exactly. some, some culture shocks there. But can you tell our listeners a little bit more about what the Black in Events Network is, like the mission and who is it for? Absolutely. Thank you for asking that question. So uh, the Black in Events Network is my second child, so to speak. Uh, it's really a platform and a source that recognizes and amplifies Black professionals contributing to the events industry. And it's really here to support Black professionals, but also other diverse communities through pathways of opportunity that will amplify their career and business success. And we usually do this through, or we're working to do this through a couple pillars, which includes educational, financial, social, and wellness opportunities. And we think those are kind of the streams that will help to bridge and build uh, success for diverse or marginalized communities. You know, so one of the major things that we've tackled so far is continuing to work and create space you know, community, that hot word right now, where we can start addressing issues of visibility while also fostering representation. You know, so we've hosted a couple um, educational seminars, some really cool campaigns, uh, and we have our, our eyes right now on some uh, other streams that will help, hopefully help to close the gap between marginalized communities and the events industry at whole. So, you know, I think the success comes from you know, knowing, you know, the challenges that diverse communities encounter in the industry and just working to continuously address them through strategic solutions. That's amazing. And I really love the pillars. I wasn't familiar with those. And so when you said that, I was like, that just makes sense. Like it makes it more tangible in a way um, to, to bring results for the community. And so I just think that's so so cool. And I have more questions about that. But what I, what I was wondering, too, is um, with the event industry, obviously, you created this group because there there's a need. And so with the event industry, where do you feel like it's lacking? And where does it need to develop in this sense or in general? Once again, wherever you want to take that question. No, that's a great question. So, you know, as the world at the moment we're starting, especially in the events world, let's talk about that. We're really shifting back to live events. Uh, live events are really high in demand right now. We're becoming super busy. However, the importance 
is still about you know addressing the issues that live in our event ecosystem so those issues are lack of diversity lack of equity lack of um you know inclusion those things are still happening and we saw earlier on in the pandemic where this issue started to come to light started to become more of a trend it was just being discussed on every platform it was being discussed it was being written about and then you kind of start to see it slowly trickle down i'm not saying that there are not organizations and individuals out here still striving to maintain that but it starts to get quieter so my thing is you know we need to work on still addressing those issues actively so and primarily because it all it affects all of us these issues affect all of us whether we under we see it or not right and for me the first part we have to start on is education and understanding you know uh, the issues and also the value in supporting DEI efforts. You know, from there, it's like building a strategy, implementing it, and then staying in the course. The, the, the most challenging thing that I find for a lot of people is just staying the course of their commitment to DEI because it's one of those things, if it's not ingrained in us, if it's not a habit, we tend to fall out of, out of that, that, that fire that we feel we need to, to do to accomplish it. But we have to stick to it. We have to have accountability. We have to have teams. Uh, so, you know, those are some of the things that I've concerned, have concern with, but hope that, you know, we, we kind of continue the momentum with. And Kanisha, with your work with the Black and Events Network, is your, are you focused more on trying to have more representation on the, like the planner, organizer, the people working the event side or the attendee side or both? Is it kind of... Mm -hmm. Where are you, you you seeing kind of that focus right now? Yeah, that's a great question. But to be honest with you, the it really comes from the behind the scenes. I'm not too concerned with what we do outside at the moment. And I'll, I'll kind of say this because whatever we do on the inside is going to reflect on the outside. It's kind of like eating healthy, right? So when we work on the things that are the problems in the events industry, like lack of representation in our teams, lack of representation in the venues that we use, the foods that we select, the companies that we work with, when we start addressing those things, we'll start seeing a change in even the people that attend to our events. If you're just playing an event and you have, you know, one dominant group, it doesn't matter who it is, one dominant group planning something without the perspectives of others, you start lacking what you can possibly attract to that event that you're doing. So it's really important to start from the inside or in the events backstage and um, work your way through. But again, these things take time and I completely understand that we're all in different journeys of this. So, but when we start like just in that small space, what does our team look like? Whose views are we sharing? You start to see progress in that. That makes a lot of sense. So yeah, thank you for touching more on that. And then as you know, a lot of our listeners are involved in events in a lot of different capacities, but let's kind of focus in on event planners for a moment. So how can we as event planners plan more inclusive events? What are some tips and tricks that you have for us? Yeah, for sure. So I won't get too complex with you all, but it, you know, the one thing is really the simplest place to start is by diversifying our suppliers list. You know, um, kind of like what I touched on earlier, you know, adding additional planners to your team from different backgrounds, different places of life, uh, you know, and I, when I talk about black and events, I'm not just saying 
black professionals. You know, there are people with disabilities. There are people that can bring so much to our, to our team, to our perspective when we just kind of loosen the band a little bit and, and, and look outside our windows type of thing. Right. So, you know, when you talk about suppliers list, like who, who are the venues that you're working with? Um, who's on the teams of the venues that you're working with? You know, sometimes we don't think about those things, right? Uh, the AV companies that you're working with, the decor companies that you're working with, the food companies that you work with, um, you know, these are just some places that we can start looking. And, you know, I've, I've worked and I know a lot of people who don't even identify as being from a marginalized community who say, you know what, if I'm working with a venue and their team is not diverse, I don't work with them, you know? And these are the ways like we start, when you start hitting people's pockets, things change. <laughs> so if, if, if larger organizations are seeing that, okay, you know what? Planners are not really working with us. Why is that? It's because your team is not diverse. You, you're not showing fair representation of what the world outside looks like, right? So when we start kind of, making those strategic moves, we do see change. We see organizations saying, okay, well, clearly we need to fix this because people are saying, you know, they don't want to work with us because we're not diverse enough. We don't have, you know, better perspectives. So those are things that we can do. It seems kind of tough, but tough love, I guess, right? And, uh, you know, as planners, the events that we put on, it, it reflects the world almost. That's Events are universal. So why are we not working in that way? You know, another thing, you know, do your research. I always tell people to network, build relationships, and don't build relationships just because. Like, build genuine relationships, right? And most, of, most importantly, it's giving the opportunity of chance, right? Um, you know, sometimes it's really hard to open up the door to what is unfamiliar. However, a lot of the times the most best connections, the best opportunities come from stepping outside of our comfort zone, right? It's like taking risks almost. So um, a lot of us, you know, we rely on our core network, which may be already booked. They're super busy. Well, there are a lot of other people, a lot of other communities that have no one knocking on their doors. Right. So the more we kind of step up again, the more we step outside of what we're comfortable with, what what looks familiar, start to see more change. You start to see more inclusive events. And again, it starts from behind the stage. I feel like a common kind of cop out folks will be as they, you know, they want to diversify, but they can't find the people, mm -hmm. you know, or they find it, which I think is always like you're saying, your point about research is really just kind of the easier answer. Um, because you do tend to see teams, especially behind the scenes, like you're saying back a house, it is a lot of folks who look the same. Why? Because probably the person who hired them looked like them, right. uh, whether it was gender or racial or, you know, socioeconomic, that's just kind of where they're coming from. Um, but talking about doing the research and doing the work, like what's a good research for folks who are looking to hire more black professionals and events? That's also a great question. And I want to kind of roll back really quickly to something that you said. And, you know, you kind of tapped on like the unconscious bias. And that's something we all have. Every single one of us have that. We are we are all automatically engraved to respond to what looks familiar to us, right? Based on our, our cultural backgrounds, where, where we were raised, it's natural. 
but the the psychological part of that is really tapping in and realizing okay i'm getting into this familiar place how am i going to roll back and change that so i wanted to touch on that because you know a lot of people i don't want to bring shame to it because we all have unconscious bias right it's just addressing it and realizing it in ourselves that okay we need to make a change here <laughs> within ourselves yeah. um so and and can you go back to the question <laughs> Unconscious bias, very important. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But just thinking for for listeners to this podcast who do have some of that power in those hiring decisions or the people Mm -hmm. they select for their team, or even to your point of diversifying your supplier list, like what's a good resource for folks who are looking to hire more black professionals and events? Perfect. So I'm going to shamelessly say Black and Events Network, obviously, right? Um, But there are so many other platforms that is similar to the work that we do. One thing that we have aimed to do and that I can't tell you how many times during the pandemic that came up where I don't know where to look. And I'm just like, look in your backyard, like look in in, uh, uh, LinkedIn. There is millions of people on there that you can find. It's not that hard. However, I get it. We don't always have the time to do that. But every February, Black and Events puts on a 100 highlights. So what that is, is throughout the month of February, we literally list 100 Black professionals working in the events industry. So we've done it two years already. 2023 will be our third year. We get submissions from all over. Like, I last year we got somebody from like Saudi Arabia. We we like you name it, we're getting submissions for for people to be recognized. So, you know, when I hear that argument, I'm like, mm, come again <laughs> because we're we're here. You know, it's just doing the research and we do the work. We find people. Sometimes people submit names to us, but we find those 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 names and those people who are actually out here doing it. Are they all planners? Not no. Some of them are doing decor. Some of them are doing AV work, but we find them and we post them and share them. So, and and the messaging in that is to say, hey, we are here, just do the work. And we're doing part of it. There are a lot of platforms, especially during the pandemic that listed out, you know, venues uh, that are of diverse communities that you could work with, food vendors. So they're there. If you kind of just do a quick Google search, they're, they're at your fingertips almost. So, you know, I always say just kind of look where look where you are and ask questions and, and form those relationships. But, you know, if that doesn't work, then go on LinkedIn. I think LinkedIn is the, the space that allows us to not make any excuses. <laughs> Whether you're, you know, there, there's so much opportunities to network on there and really you know, tap on somebody's inbox and say, hey, can we have a quick Zoom meet and just have a conversation, see where someone is at. It, you know, I know we're all busy at this point, but it doesn't, it doesn't hurt to, to build those, re- those relationships. Kanisha, it sounds like we might have to tap into you for some folks to uh, interview on future podcast episodes. Anytime. <laughs> yeah. And we were having a conversation with a um, past guest and she was mentioning like having the right people in the room, if you will, for the planning process too. So it's like, if you're going to be doing a themed event to make sure that that community that you're going for is there helping you make sure that you actually represent it well and correctly and respectfully and all of those things. 
Um, and so with like with that in mind or any other examples, what's something that you want event planners that are not BIPOC to know or to be more aware of when planning events? And I know we've talked about a lot of things, but if there's any other thoughts or ideas that you have for that. You know, although, and, and like I mentioned, although the subject of DEI has kind of quieted down, I want to really stress that it's still important and to continue pushing the dialogue in your programming. You know, despite the demand of uh, events being high, still have, you know, whether you're having black planners do contract work, whether they're full time, you know, tap on people and ask questions, right? Uh, we're in a place right now where the, the economy is just going insane and it's affecting everyone, right? So, you know, really get in there and ask questions and um, whether, you know, that means you have to talk to people that you know, aren't necessarily from your community. It, again, it kind of goes back to just taking that risk. And, you know, I want to really say, and one important thing that I want to touch on that I missed saying earlier to you all is that, you know, when we're doing this work and we're looking to hire like diverse pools of people and we're looking to build relationships, you know, it's really in vital to have workplace culture that is welcoming, uh, but also implements and follows through on, you know, equity. Right. So a lot of the times we want to do the work and we want to hire people that are from diverse communities, but we're not so welcoming when we, when we get on the inside. So you want to have a space that really nurtures and ensures that differences can thrive and not feel ostracized. So, you know, I think that's something that people have to take into consideration because too often we build like this really, um, really pretty this really pretty facade or and then then when you get in it's just nothing like that so we have to be mindful of those things and really ask questions and form communities even in our in our teams and in our workplaces so that we're we're keeping the narrative going and we're understanding people's experiences if that makes sense so you know i think it's a lot more than um you know recruiting etc it's actually wanting to put in the time and effort to ensure that your space is uh welcoming and kanisha if you don't mind i'd love to dive in just if we have a couple more like just some examples for our listeners of what that looks like again i'm i'm a white woman so for me i don't necessarily feel it like at being white i tend to be on the majority of event teams but i've definitely felt it in production whereas a female i'm usually in the minority and things that have made me feel excluded from a space can be the language they're using, the jokes that are being made on headset, because it's all men usually. And so things that I've been cognizant of when I'm putting together teams and trying to make sure, you know, they're more inclusive. But that's from my my experience. And again, as, yeah. a, as a white woman, I haven't felt it. But do you have any, you know, examples or things that people should be like hyper aware of and to fight back against some of those unconscious biases that I that, like you said, we all have? Yeah, it's definitely, a, I, I would definitely start in just creating space, you know, and there's a lot of companies right now where you have like task force that's, that's happening in the company and it could be led by anyone, but it helps to keep accountability of what's happening. And of course it's putting in the effort and the time and the money into some of the, maybe the trainings. A lot of the times these things come down to education. So if a company just wants to hire a consulting firm to come in and talk to, you know, their coworkers, 
because that starts to bring a, a conscious awareness like, oh, they're taking this seriously. And that becomes something across the board where everyone starts to realize, okay, we have to actually work towards this. So I think it's, you know, really taking the time to educate your, your staff, but also taking the time to listen. <laughs> so this is one of the key things that, you know, it sounds so simple, but it goes a long way and it's a listening. So if you do have employees or team members that's on your team, it's having the, like listening to what they're saying. Sometimes as women, we go through this, right? Where your hand is up at the table. And if you're, if the room is filled with more men on the table, a lot of the times your voice is drowned out. So that sometimes doubles when you are a black woman, right? It's like, even harder to be seen, even harder to be heard. So, you know, ensuring that there's a place at the table where everybody can be heard, you know, and that comes back into having communities or um, sp spaces in that organization where people can have those open dialogues. Uh, a couple summers ago, we had a reading, a reading club and it was just about reading. There's a book called um, Reading for Race. And that was where people, just came together and talked about, you know, in a safe space, of course, racial issues and conversations and had that open dialogue where we were able to learn more and meeting people and meeting everyone at this journey, wherever they are, because we're all on different journeys when it comes to this topic. We're not in the same space and it's respecting that, I think. So to, have, to say the least, it's really education, it's building space, it's listening, and also being open to the changes that are going to come because a lot of the times people are not open to these things and the more we become open to you know these changes the easier i'm saying that very lightly we start to make progress so um you know those are kind of i know it sounds simple but it's work those 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 things are work so uh that would be my advice to everyone and and there's so many resources online you know to to read from and learn from where you know if you're having questions if you're having doubts you know search search resources online these are some really wonderful tangible tips so thank you so much for that i i really appreciate it and i know um our listeners do as well and okay. one of the things you know we, we've if our so the podcast, any listeners that we have listening, usually um, we're getting to a point where it's a good amount, which we're so grateful for. And so, because we are privileged to have this community of listeners, how yes. can our listeners help spread the word and create more inclusive spaces for the Black community and the Black and Events Network? Like, is it something that we should or we could resource to, or just any ideas that you have um, for anybody that's listening out there, how they can support these efforts? Absolutely, you know. The one thing that I always say about Black and Events is it is that it's super inclusive. So uh, I've had a, a couple of my American counterparts say to me, you know, um, is it because you're from Canada? But like, you know, I I built this platform to be welcoming to everybody. So you know, we want people that don't look like us to be in this space because how do you move forward? just looking at the same people, right? You, you can't, we have to be doing this together. That's how you're gonna learn, that's how I'm going to learn. So what we do is really invite people to be part of this space, follow us on social media, and not just our community, but other communities that don't look like you. Follow those communities, share that the information with your own networks, and that helps spread the world, word. that helps spread momentum, right? And, um, 
you know, keep that conversation going. I believe those are the small things that help us to, to grow, right? And whether you, if you can't even contribute financially to institutions or organizations that's trying to make change, at least share the knowledge and support the things that those organizations and those communities are doing. It really goes a long way. Kanisha, like, thank you so much for, you know, all of your knowledge that you've shared and more about the Black Events Network, what Black Events Network will link in our show notes. So listeners, you can take those action items she said right now and follow. Um, is there anything else you want to add for our listeners today? You know what, I, I would say just really, uh, wherever you are in your journey of DEI, just continue on that journey. And don't be too hard on yourself, you know, but really consciously make that that decision in your mind to work towards being part of the change. You know, every small bit counts. Right now, I'm, I'm reading the book, um, Atomic Habits. And in that book, they really talk about just, you know, that 1% change. And the, we, the more we do it consistently, if we do a piece of it every day and chip at it, you'll see so much of a difference in the, the next year. So, you know, just keep keep the dialogue going and like what you ladies are doing um, is amazing to continue that conversation and have um, open dialogue. Thank you so much. And thanks for being here with us. We've learned so much and we do like to end with um, something that we call sentence finishers. And so we're going to put you on the stop for a minute. These are just, uh, these are just for fun, but you can go ahead and fill in the blank. So your favorite quality in a manager is genuine relationships. <laughs> I like us. That's good. Yes. I like that. <laughs> There's no wrong answers here. Yeah, These are all okay, right. yeah. um, my product, my favorite productivity tool is. Ooh, my favorite productivity tool. Can I say Alexa? Okay. Um, definitely. Yes. <laughs> She's become my best friend. I kid you not. <laughs> but really, I'm I'm a I'm a Google person, and I I use spreadsheets, and um, it always gets the job done for me. I totally agree with that one. I feel deeply about it. So once again, no right or wrong answers, but yes. Um, and then our last one is something that you're looking forward to this year, whether business or personal is. I would say I'm going to Banff in a couple of weeks. So I've, uh, I've never been there and I've heard it's pretty nice. So that's what I'm looking forward to. Yeah, that's exciting. Yeah. Well, Kanisha, thank you so much. And can you tell our listeners where they can find you? Absolutely. So I am avidly on Twitter. Uh, <laughs> my name on there is Get K Will. I'm also on Instagram, not very often, but I do post from time to time. And it's also Get K Will. You can also find me on LinkedIn. I have a website called uh, it's www.kenesha.co. You can find me there. And Black and Events is Black and the handle at Black and Events on most. Uh, major platforms great we'll link to all of those in the show notes for you listeners so you can again easily keep up with kanisha and all that she's doing thank you so much thank you ladies for having me it was great had fun and that brings us to our end of the episode before we go one of our favorite segments of the bonus tip um mary you have our bonus tip this week yes i do okay so our bonus tip for today um, this is one that I would say, Logan, I'm going to put words in your mouth that we feel really passionately about. So make backup plans. And once again, we've talked about this, but I wanted to kind of hit it home again, because 
um, something I like to do is have a specific meeting with my clients to, like the just the week of the event. And I call it like a doomsday planning session. This is where we talk about all the things that could go wrong. And they're usually like outrageous, but it's good to have a plan. And so that's what we do in those sessions. Um, and an example I wanted to share with you is we were doing a walkathon type of event around a route. And we heard that there was a water main issue and that they had to do construction on the route. So we were going to have to completely change our route, which was a big deal. We learned about this the week of the event. And long story short, they ended up delaying construction, thankfully. But just in case, I was like, I don't know, like there's not a lot we can do in this scenario. So what we're going to do is we're going to select a turnaround point. We're going to put volunteers there. They're going to dress up in construction gear and we're going to have them hold signs and cheer as people get to the turnaround point. So we're going to make this terrible situation something kind of like awkward and funny because <laughs> that's all that we could do with that. And so I came to the event prepared with those items in case that had to happen. And so this is just your friendly reminder to make sure that you create backup plans. So that's your bonus tip for today. Yeah. And I mean, Mary, you got a Halloween costume out of it, I guess, there of exactly. having some construction outfits. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We love our backup plans. I mean, my I feel like we've said this in a number of episodes, but the whole point of having them is so that you don't have to use them. And if you don't make them or talk about them, then you'll probably wish you did. So doomsday planning session or backup plans. I love it, Mary. And that brings us to the end of our episode. You can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at Better Events Pod. You can send us an email at bettereventspod at gmail.com. And as always, we appreciate you for listening, sharing it with your networks, and coming back for more every single Wednesday. We'll be back in your feeds again next week. 